Hello and welcome to the Anchor Faith Message Podcast. Enjoy this message. If you have your Bibles, turn over to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 6. And um, we had a great time in worship, um, so much so that I uh, allowed us to just continue to be in His presence, you understand? Which means I don't have a whole lot of time now to deliver this message. <laughs> All right, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 6 says, And he raised us up with him and seated us with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. You were just singing scripture. Yes. Amen. And um, do you understand, we are really deliberate in any psalm that we sing here. If it just doesn't conform to the word right, um, you know, we'll make some adjustments. Now, what do I mean by that? Sometimes we'll have some worship songs that I could justify why they say those statements. Um, but sometimes it just is a little clearer if you just adjust it a little bit more. And um, so we do that in some songs because we really want you to be empowered. We want you to be where you're at now. See, I was somewhere before Christ. That's a true statement. And in that context, I'm not deserving. I didn't deserve what I should have gotten. Um, Christ paid a price for. But now once I'm born again, he made me worthy. And so I can't look at myself as an unworthy being anymore because he's made me worthy. All right? And so I have to start looking at myself as Christ sees me, and he sees me as one seated with him in heavenly places, already in the authority that Christ holds. So I just need to believe what God says about me. If I had to change my thinking on how I had a right relationship with God, then I probably need to change my thinking on a lot of things concerning God. And so we should just always allow God to change our thinking or we should repent when we find out, wow, I can't think about myself that way anymore. God says I'm this, so I'm just going to believe it. Now, whether I feel that way or not, it's really irrelevant. Okay? It's what the Lord says that I believe. So we've been talking about some kingdom principles, and I want to start over again in Matthew chapter 6 because, again, it's to help show uh, my example um, so that, you know, we can grasp a concept here, okay? And so in Matthew chapter 6, verse 24, Jesus says, no one can serve two masters for he'll either hate the one and love the other. He'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. Now, the reason why God, Jesus himself, our Lord and Savior, uses this, he did not say you can't serve God and another idol. Now, that doesn't mean you can serve another idol in God. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying God, God himself realized that idolatry in the context of these little, you know, um, emblems that people made themselves was not even a God at all and actually had no real decision-making because it didn't really speak to them. Had really no power, even though they believe, you know, whatever that particular object is supposed to represent. Don't get me wrong. But in the grand scheme of things, we know that Jesus himself said and Paul that they cannot hear and they cannot speak. But Jesus used this thing called wealth because money does talk. And money's always talking. I mean, it talks to you every time you look at your account. Every time. Now, it's not an audible voice. I know that. But it is a voice nonetheless in the realm of numbers. Right? We can talk in numbers. 
So what do I mean by that? I can go to a store and see an item, and then I can look at my account, and it will let me know whether or not that's available, whether I have this option or not. You understand what I'm saying? Okay? So Jesus is saying that wealth or money has a way of taking a position in your heart so that it can make decisions for you. And you should never let your money make decisions for you. Now, what do I mean by that? Some people will not move from a community into another because there's not enough money there or the job's not there or the insurance is not there. Something to do financially. Right? They won't, even though they may desire to be in another state, desire to be closer with family, well, I can't because there's no job. So the job tells you or the lack of Money is what keeps you from making a move. Very few people move, and there are those in this church that have done this, though. Very few people move for a church because God told me to come to your church. But some have. And some said, well, I'm going to follow God. He said to go there and to get plugged in with that church. Well, guess what will follow if you'll do that with all your heart? Then the finance will. I have found that when I have followed God's voice to different places, money was always there waiting on me. Hallelujah. (laughs) And I've taken us with no job to a whole nother state before. And, but God showed up and I had provision. I never lacked. I said, I never lacked. I did not have difficulty finding a job or getting income because I was answering a call. Anyway, let's go on. Let's, let's finish this out so you see a comparison. So verse 24 says you can't serve both God and wealth. Verse 25 then goes on and tells us that in the context of serving God, that God begins to look at all of his creation, right? And he begins to communicate, listen, when it comes to my creation, uh, I'm taking care of stuff, right? Uh, isn't that what he says? I take care of stuff. There's no problem with what I'm doing. I know how to take care of things. So he goes on and says it this way. He says, um, let me pull it up on mine. Um, He says, for this reason I say to you, do not be worried about your life as to what you'll eat or what you'll drink, for your body as to what you'll put on is not life more than food and your body more than clothing. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow nor reap or gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them, are you not worth much more than they? Who are you, by being worried, can add a single hour to his life? And why are you worried about clothing? Observe how the lilies of the field, they do not toil, nor do they spin. Yet I say to you that not even Solomon in all of his glory clothed himself like one of these. And Solomon's to this day, is still the wealthiest guy that was ever on the planet. Okay? Um, now, again, when the Lord says, look, don't worry about these things, it's because he's saying you think life is just about your accumulation or how you, you know, take care of yourself in the natural. Life's bigger than that. Okay? And now, it doesn't mean that God doesn't know you need these things because, you know, we'll see that here in a second. He goes on and says this, yet, uh, verse 20, 30, but if God so clothed the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, he will, will he not much more clothe you, you of little... Okay, we have little faith, and we're going to talk about measures of faith today, okay? Okay, little faith. 
He says, don't worry then saying what will you eat, what will you drink, or what will you wear? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things. Your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things, but seek first what? His kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be what? That's why when I did what the king said in any move that he told me to move, provision was there for me when I arrived. Now, I'm not saying I got a job the first day. What I'm saying is, is some form of provision was there so that it sustained me until an income began to manifest. All right, God did these things. He's awesome, right? But what I wanted you to see here is he said, you have little faith, meaning what God is saying is your belief in him or your belief in money. So if you believe God's word, then it produces what we call faith. And that's why we say faith is the currency of the kingdom. It's the currency of the kingdom, okay? And it's an example now, okay? I, I use this as an example because all of us can identify with money, right? All of us can identify with this. Cash, money, right? We can identify with this because this speaks to us. This talks all the time, although it's not literally talking. This lets us know its value and what kind of assurance we have with this piece of paper. Paper with words printed on it, backed by government, right? And so this lets us know our confidence level. This is my confidence level. So if I walk into the store only with this, I'm going to be quite limited on what I can exchange this for. But I can exchange this for something, which means any item that's this or of lesser value, I can be firmly persuaded that what this tells me can cause whatever that item to be mine. I'm confident. I have no doubt. I said I have no doubt. But if the item is worth, say, $5, well, if I go in with two, will I have confidence? But I will have currency. So in essence, if I want to purchase something worth $5 and I come in with $2 faith, I have little faith. But it's not enough faith to get what the value of the five is worth. Right? Which means then, and I'm trying to get, deal with our hearts, I won't be firmly persuaded here and confidently pick up this item that does not belong to me, but I'll call those things that be not as though they were. You know, I'm going to buy this. This is mine. I'm taking that. Well, it's actually the stores, right? But I'm calling it mine. Why? Because I have an exchange. I have a government's backing of its word that I have the value that can exchange for this item. So when I go up to the uh, cashier and lay it down on the counter, I would have great confidence if I had the actual words that would meet the condition. If I do not have the words that meet the condition, I will lack or I'll have little faith. In essence, I'm needing something else to manifest outside of me because I alone do not have the power. Now, that doesn't mean God couldn't have someone meet me at the counter that can make up my deficiency. But God, it doesn't always send someone to the counter to make up your deficiency because he's allowed you to be able to gain faith yourself. 
And that's where you want to get to the place that you can have faith yourself in order to do whatever it is that God's called you to do. So again, if it's $5, I'm going to have little faith and I'm going to lack confidence. And honestly, as much as I want it and wish for it, it's still not going to manifest unless somebody brings something to add to my, add to my faith. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And it's not God's fault because it's currently what I possess. But if I found, oh, I happen to have one of these. <laughs> have you ever done that before, going in your wallet and like, oh, I forgot I put that there. I had that the whole time. Amen. Sometimes that happens. Well, if I pull that out, all of a sudden I go from little faith to more than enough. I said more than enough. Now my confidence level changes. I become firmly persuaded I can have that item now. Right? Okay, so we're going to see here in Scripture then that when we talk about faith as a currency of the kingdom, what we're saying is, is that when we get God's word, because he's king on a matter, then it's in essence, it is what he says. Uh, Hebrews 11, 1 says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. That word substance means a support. And we talked about this, that this is like child support. So God's faith to you is like child support. He said he would not leave you as an orphan. Just because dad's not present on the planet with us doesn't mean he hasn't supported us. With the ability to be at a pull from heaven's realm, so to speak, which is his word to produce things within a natural realm called earth. Okay? And um, so we broke this word down uh, in the Greek, and the root of this word means money to one. So literally, when he says faith is a substance, it is a substance, just like when we say currency, currency actually is a substance. Now, we live a lot in today's society in what we call unseen currency, right? Meaning, we don't actually see the cash, we just see numbers on a screen, because I could pull my phone out right now, do my Vistar app, let it st stare at my eyeballs, right? And then all of a sudden, it's going to open up. <laughs> my grandkids get kind of smart like that. They try to put my phone in my face, right, so that it go off and turn on. I just turn my face, put my hand up, you know, something like that. Anyway, um, but it come up, and it tell me my balance. Now, it's not showing me the literal cash. It's just giving me numbers. And those numbers talk to me. You know, my wife could say, hey, I want to buy this. Let me check the account. And we don't have a problem with that. We have no issue there. In fact, we would consider ourselves bad managers if we did not check our account to determine if we were able. Yet we won't check our faith account to determine if we're able. I mean, you got to check your own faith account to determine, am I really believe? Just because you say, I want something, doesn't mean you're in faith. Just because you say you believe, doesn't mean you have enough faith to get that. Because if you show yourself not having enough faith, then it, unless God does something different in that situation, you yourself alone are deficient. Okay? So, um, we saw in Romans chapter 10, verse 17, again, that, so faith comes by what? Or comes from hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. So again, how do you technically get paid from the kingdom of God? And that is every time you hear his word, 
currencies coming your way. Every time you hear his word, he's giving you his currency. He's giving your ability to pull the unseen into the seen. You get his word on it. You get his word on it. I do not need President Joe Biden to come and tell me that this is actually worth what it says. I do not need the head of our nation to come to the store with me. Are you hearing me? But the power's here. I said the power's here. Hallelujah. Okay. So we're just trying to increase your faith. All right? So we're going to see that the Bible actually talks about faith uh, very specifically. And turn, if you would, turn over to Mark chapter um, 4. Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4. Are you getting there? Okay. Are you there? Now... Um, pull this up. Y'all stay at Mark chapter 4. Pull this up in the back because I just got this in the spirit. Uh, Romans chapter 12, verse uh, 3. Romans chapter 12, verse 3. And then we're going to come back to this. Okay? Romans chapter t- uh, 12, verse 3. I'm thankful for the Holy Ghost. You know, he talks to me while I'm preaching a lot. And um, so I'm just trying to relay what he said to, to me as, I, as, you know, I'm running out of time. Um, It says this, in Romans chapter 12, verse 3, it says, For through the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think as to um, have sound judgment, as God has allotted to each a measure of faith. Allotted to each a measure of faith. Now, just so you understand context... Because the minute you read this by itself, you may think that, you know, don't think to yourself more highly like we're supposed to walk humble before the Lord. You are supposed to walk humble, but humil- true humility is obeying God and his word. What he literally is talking about here is don't act like you are exercising a particular grace gift over your life unless you've been given it. Because if he goes on, he starts talking about uh, in the body, we have graces differing according to different. So he's really talking about function within the body. He's not talking about, you know, oh, be careful now. Don't, don't be getting all cocky and arrogant thinking you're all, I am all that God says I am. And that's not arrogance. That's confidence in who he says I am. And I'm not thinking more highly of myself. I'm thinking as myself has been told. I'm thinking of myself as I've been told by the king. So that's not what this scripture is saying. This scripture is saying, if you're not been given the grace to function as a prophet, then don't try to be one. If you've not been given the grace to function as, you know, these things that get listed here uh, later on in the chapter, then don't try to operate in an area that God's not graced you to operate in. That's what he's saying. So don't think, oh, I can be what he is. No, you can't, because if God didn't call you to do that, then just be what God's called you, because not one gift's better than the other gift anyway. So that's your problem. You're try- that's where you think you're more highly, because you're trying to be a gift that God never asked you to be, because all of a sudden you started ranking gifts as if one was better than the other. Okay, so just context. But no, each of us have been allotted a measure of faith, Okay. So let's look then, because faith can be measured is what I'm saying. So in Mark chapter 4, verse 35 to 41, it says, On that day when evening came, he said to them, and we read this out of a Luke account last time, let us go over to the other side. What did he say? 
Faith comes by and hearing from has Christ spoken. Is there enough power to go to the other side now? In essence, I've given you currency. I've given you the fair. I've given you the, the, the in a natural sense. Now, I'm just using a natural analogy. I've given you the ferry money to be able to get on this boat and go to the other side. The ferry's not going to stop in the middle. Well, we're going to have to let you out. What do you mean? Well, you didn't give us enough, and this is as far as you're going, so jump out of the boat. <laughs> Amen? <laughs> okay. So he said, let's go to the other side. Leaving the crowd, they took him along uh, with him in the boat, and he was uh, just as he was, and the other boats were with them, and there arose a fierce gale of wind, and the waves were breaking over the boat so that the boat was already filling up. Jesus himself was in the stern, asleep on the cushion, and they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care? Whew. Now, that's a whole preaching right there, but time won't let me even say anything now. T uh, teacher, do not care that we, that we are perishing. Well, he cared when he said, go to the other side. This is your problem. The problem is we're blaming God for our situation when we actually already have enough in account. He's already actually given us enough in the account to overcome. So a situation happens that seems contrary to the currency he gave or the word he gave, go to the other side. And all of a sudden the winds say, you ain't going. Well, the devil's always going to show up with something and say, what God said ain't going to work. So don't abandon your faith. Don't think that the circumstance actually has more authority than the word. So what's Jesus do? And Jesus got up, rebuked the winds, and said to the sea, hush, be still. And the winds died down and became perfectly calm. Aren't you glad he brought his currency? Okay. Look at verse 40, though. In verse 40, he says this. And he said to them, why are you afraid? Do you still have what? No faith. No faith. Which means he says this. He says, I told you, let's go to the other side. I gave you faith. I gave you my word to go somewhere. I already gave you course and direction. The fact that this happened means nothing. And you had enough within you that you could have done something, but you didn't do anything, so I had to get up and pay for it again. And it's just like it is with our kids. We give them money, and then we get into a store, and then they want us to pay for something. When I'm like, didn't I give you a $20 bill? Why are you asking me to purchase something that I've already given you? Right? Now, I've done this sometimes. You know, I've left my wallet somewhere. I, I have... Uh, currency, you know, but I'm like, hey, Marcia, you got your uh, wallet because I left mine. <laughs> now, we do have a joint account, just to let y'all know. <laughs> right, so it's not like she's pulling from another source, right? <laughs> Amen. But she did, you know, take some of my gift money and it made it to her wallet, not mine. <laughs> I understand we're one flesh, but not one wallet. We're one account and we're one flesh, but we have two wallets. And her wallet goes with her, and sometimes that means that cash shows up in items that aren't something I would wear. So as my birthday, I wouldn't actually have picked that. Honey, I don't do blouses. But I'm going to start wearing them anyway. I'm going to say, my wife got me this for my birthday. <laughs> I got some heels I'm wearing next week. All right. <laughs> Hallelujah. All right. Anyway, he says, do you still have no faith? Now, here's the thing. He gave them a word, and they left the word on the shore. 
or they allowed the word to leave them the minute a condition said that word won't work. All right? So this obviously, there was a measure of faith dealt to them that they didn't even keep. Okay? He said, why you have no faith? And they became very much afraid and said to one another, who is this that even the winds and waves sees obey? What they didn't realize, okay, wow. When you walk into a store, $100 can translate into a lot of different items. So it'd be very difficult for me to tell you your $100 can only purchase. Right? So there can be a, a good number of options. Here's the thing. They didn't realize that that word, go to the other side, had the ability to stop wind. So sometimes we'll go in with $100 only thinking of a very specific item we want to purchase and think, oh, there was nothing there. When there was way more we could have tapped into... But because we only thought that hundred was for this. Now, I say that based upon, you know, um, what, I mean, you know, you may have an idea of how you want to fix something, and you didn't even think of this item would actually work, yet the money would actually buy that item as well, and because you were unaware of that, you didn't purchase it, or you looked at it and didn't realize its intent, or it, that it would do that, and you had it all the while, why are you staring at it? And this happens with us. We get a word from God, and then all of a sudden a situation takes place, and we don't realize that word is enough to cover that situation. Okay? So we end up abandoning our faith to where we had it, but now we don't have it. Because, again, faith without being put into circulation has no value. I mean, if you don't make the exchange, what it says on it does nothing. Just because you have $100, if you can starve to death and have $100. I didn't have any food. All they had was a piece of paper with 100 on it. You'd be like, go buy a meal, man. Right? But there are people, especially during the Great Depression, they got into some big challenges because they were afraid to circulate their finance. All right? Okay, there's another type of faith. Look at this in Matthew chapter 14. Matthew 14, 28 to 31, it says, Peter said to him, Lord, uh, if it is you, command me to come on the water. At least this time, in, in this case, again, we got a boat situation happening, right? Uh, God, Jesus has said, y'all go on over. He hung out, prayed a little bit, and then he decides, well, I'm going to go over now, but I'm not going to use the boat. I'm just going to walk on it. So he's walking, and they think he's a ghost. They start, you know... They're not so much concerned about the winds at this juncture in the boat. I think they learned that lesson. We're going to get there. Just keep rowing. Just keep rowing, right? We're going to get there, all right? Um, but Peter, and then when, he said, when the Lord says, don't be afraid, it's me, then Peter says this. Look what Peter says. And he said to him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. Now, notice this is significant because you don't, you don't do anything outside the king's word. So the king says to him, come. Now, that means if we did it in a natural sense, the Lord just gave him enough currency that he can build a bridge from the boat to himself. In essence. 
in a natural sense, if we wanted to look at how much is that word come worth? In a natural sense, as if you just hired a barge, they just drove down, a, I don't know how deep the water is there, but they drove down uh, pylon, py, pilings or, you know, and ran them all the way to Jesus and then decked that thing, and he's out there walking on it without all that, and labor, you understand? It's the same significance. Boom, now he's, he steps out. And does he step out? Yeah, and seeing the wind, right? It says, and Peter got out of the boat, and what did he do? Started building the bridge. That currency had enough money, finance, to build the bridge. And here he is. Now, it's not a literal bridge. It's just he's walking on the water. He's, that water's sustaining his weight. And it's not like Peter don't know that any time I've ever gotten out of boat before, because <laughs> he's a professional fisherman, guys. So he knows what's going to happen when he gets out of the boat. So that's why he needs a word to change this situation because he already has enough uh, experience when he left his faith on the shore one day and thought he was going to die and ask Jesus and he concerned about him and Lord's like, I gave you enough currency on the shore that you could handle this situation, but I'll speak to it. I'll bring that currency here, right? So now Peter's like, all he's got to do is say, and it's got to come to pass. So normally I would have to swim or I would fall, uh, uh, you know, go, uh, it, the water would go over my head. But if Jesus tells me, then his word has enough power that he can cause this water to sustain me. Because if it can sustain him... See, we got to get this because Jesus said the works that I do, even greater works will you do, which means if Jesus did the work by faith, then we can do that same work by, in essence, Peter's like, if you can do it, I should be able to do it. Just give me your word. So he got the word and he steps out on the water and he's walking towards Jesus. So is his faith working? Yes. He put it in circulation. He's getting the result of his faith. Why? By acting on it. He didn't say, well, praise God. I can." And he didn't look at the disciples and say, I can get out of the boat. Y'all can't, but I can. He told me to come. You can't go. But Peter, stay in the boat. Well, what good is it that he told him to come if he don't get out? And many of us get a word from God and then don't get out. If you don't get out, then it's no faith because it's not circulation. But at least he got out. And when he got out, he's walking. But look what happens. But seeing the wind, that wind will mess you up, bro. What's that say? There's always, listen, guys, there's always going to be a situation that's going to occur once he speaks that's going to try to rob you of your faith, to believe a different voice. And the wind starts talking again, and he became frightened. What did he do? Same situation that happened on the last one. He said, why were you afraid? Why do you have no faith? Fear will rob your account. I said, fear will rob your account. This is why you've got to be honest enough to check your faith account. Don't come to me and say, oh, I believe I'm healed, yet fear's there. Check your account. Because, you know, people, it's easy for people to spout off real quick because, again, just like you, you can spout off and tell me, oh, I can afford that, but I haven't actually looked at your account. I mean, you could be lying. And people say they believe God, but their account is actually deficient. Now, it doesn't mean they don't have faith. It just means they don't have the faith to get the results. 
And there are many who've gone to the grave saying they believed. And they did believe. But it wasn't the faith to get the result. And let me tell you this. God would never leave you without enough faith to get the result. Well, I guess the Lord just didn't want them to have enough faith to get it. That's a lie. Because he already said, you can't serve both God and wealth. And what do you do? You seek first his kingdom. He said, if they ask, they'll receive. If they knock, the door will be open. If they seek, they'll find. So when you get in a situation that you're like, I need to build up my faith here so that I get the result, then you got to go to some absolute seeking. You got to start driving and diving into it. You can't be searching and looking more natural at a result. You got to be going to the king himself. And you got to keep filling up that account. Because again, at the end of the day, you know, if I gave you the option, I would say, okay, I'm going to give you a hundred or I'm going to give you a one. Which one do you take? Sure you do, obviously. But what if you didn't know that if you took the one, uh, and you come to me, I give you another one, and I give you another one, and I give you another one, and I give you... Because some people are coming and getting a hundred, but then there's others that keep seeking him and getting one. Next thing you know, they've sought him a thousand times, and now they got a thousand one. And, but you come and get your one $100 bill and, and spend it, because again, you, unless it's big, God, I don't even... But you don't understand a dollar in seeking, you get a thousand, ten thousand, a hundred thousand of these... And this is the problem. We come to church and God has given us some reminders of things that we're like, and I know that. And you're in essence saying, you take this dollar. I don't need it. I want to see something miraculous happen. I want to get some great revelation. Well, you know what? It's great to get a hundred dollar bill. Sure. But I would never stop a thousand people from giving me a dollar. Right. And I wouldn't take the 100 over the thousand. One dollar bills. So again, all of it is important because all of it, if you accumulate it, has the ability to get a result. Okay, so uh, immediately, right, again, seeing the wind, he became frightened. He began to seek. He cried out, Lord, save me. And again, if the Lord doesn't bring his, but does the Lord bring his? It's very important. The Lord will bring his if you seriously want it. Because I mean, I'm just going to be honest with you. Some people don't call to the Lord when they start to sink. Some of them blame the Lord because they started sinking. Why am I sinking? Now, notice the Lord lets him know why you're sinking. He isn't sinking because his word wasn't enough. This is good. But seeing the when he became frightened, did Jesus get scared? Nope. Did Jesus get scared? Nope. Did Jesus get scared? No. Okay. Immediately, Jesus... Stretches out his hand, took hold of him, and said to him, what's he say? You of little faith. Now, he had faith because he got out. So he's exercised, but he didn't have enough of it. He did not stay connected enough with it that allowed him to get to Jesus. And that wasn't Jesus' fault because he said, why do you have little faith? Why did you doubt? The minute you get in fear, fear will produce doubt. Doubt steals confident expectation. Steals it. 
And the next thing you know, you had enough, but now you don't have enough because you're doubting. You're allowing the enemy to come steal what God has given you. And it's not a God problem because Jesus says, now listen, I was trying to teach you something to not be so arrogant to think you can be like me. But again, the people are like this. If you Religious people will do this. They're like, why do you think you can just believe God? Like you're telling God what to do. God told me to say, and he's only doing what he told me he would do. So I'm only holding him to his word because he told me to do that. But if I don't do my part, he's not obligated. He's obligated to inform me. He's obligated to bring faith to me. But if I meet the condition of seeking him, he isn't obligated to take care of what you're going to eat, drink, or, or what you're going to wear if you don't do your part of seeking. But yet we put God in this like, if you want it, you do it. We just sit back and we're on vacation. <laughs> faith does not look like this. Yet faith has been given the bum rap and many people have gotten offended with God because somebody that said they love God and did and somebody that said they were believing God and they were, but they weren't honest enough to say, son, I'm afraid I'm going to actually die. Right. Well, being afraid you're actually going to die and not being healed is not going to be enough to get the healing. Right. And then the son or the daughter says, well, God didn't do anything because my mama was believing. My daddy was believing. Well, your dad believed what they knew and what they had. And God may have said, you got some little faith there. I need you to have more. Right. Let me just say this. If you hooked up in a hospital somewhere, the last thing you need to do is be watching what's on TV and expect God to be healing you. Well, if the Lord wants to do it, he'll just send somebody and he'll just do it. And you're watching, you know, gun smoke. You're watching, you know, um, um, yeah, I know that's an old show. I get it. I mean, you're watching Will of Fortune, you're watching um, uh, HGTV, and you're watching how to remodel a house that you ain't even going to be around to watch or remodel yourself because you're not seeking God. And then you'll blame God if you don't get your healing. Okay? And it's not a God problem. Well, if he wants to do it, he'll just do it. God never operates like that because God wants everyone saved, but he doesn't just make them saved. They have to get the currency of faith to receive salvation. They have to believe that he died on the cross and rose from the grave. And we have no argument there. We're like, well, if the Lord wants me saved, he'll just save me. And we'll be like, it doesn't work like that. But then when it comes to healing, what do we say? Well, you're right, brother. He can. Now he's able. He's able to do it. He's able to save. And if he doesn't, you know, he just won't teach, wants to take you on home early. No, he don't want to take you home early. Now, you might want to go home early, and if you do, go home then. Fine. But at least be honest with your family. I'm going to let cancer eat me up and take me out because I'm just ready to go. I mean, just be honest. I'm just not believing God. <laughs> All right, Matthew 8. I mean, it's true. Matthew 8. Well, is there, we know there's no faith. We know there's little faith. Is there any other kind of faith? Yeah, there's other kind of faith. Look at this in Matthew chapter 8. And again, don't get upset at me. Let's stay at the, with the word. Okay? Because at the end of the day, I can't get upset with anyone. I mean, I don't care how much I want an item. 
naturally speaking. I don't care. At the end of the day, if it's not there, I'm just not getting it. Unless someone asks you, I'm just not going to happen. And, and I'm not blaming. I mean, some items I might have been able to purchase if I had saved differently. I mean, I could go back and look at my bank registry for the last five years and said, if I would have saved this, I could have had this. Which means the only reason I don't is because I chose not to apply myself to a discipline. You see what I'm saying? It's very important because a lot of times we blame God when there's a lot of power in our hands to do. I mean, what do we do with people who are in financial strain? We go and look at their account, see how they're spending. But God forbid I come and see how you're spending your faith. Or checking your account. Oh, I believe. Well, if you have the faith, you'll get the result. Period. No faith will not get it, and little faith will not get it. Unless someone adds. Let me just say it this way. Okay, yeah, thank you, Lord. Real quick, real quick. Uh, over in um, Mark, Mark, there's a Mark account. I had to move it because he said something else. Jesus went to his hometown and said he could not heal, do no miracles because they were offended at him. It wasn't that he could not have performed miracles. And, it's not, and it, they recognized, they said, who is this man that preached with such authority and great miracles happened from him? In his uh, mama here, Mary, in his brothers and sisters, it said they took offense at him. And he says, a prophet's not without honor except in his hometown. And he could heal, do no miracles there. And he marveled at their what? Unbelief. So, uh, so again, your inability or your unwillingness to believe God for wh who he is and what he does does not mean he's obligated to give a miracle and do a miracle anyway. In fact, more than likely, it will restrain him from manifesting. And the Bible says in this account that he went around the villages teaching. What did he do to try to get rid of their unbelief? Teach. What's teaching? He began to speak the word, speak the word. Why? And in essence, I'm giving you the currency of the kingdom. I'm giving you faith. I'm trying to get you to believe me at my word because if you believe me at my word, my word will take place. All right, last one is over here in uh, Matthew. In Matthew today, chapter 8, verse 5 through 10, it says, When Jesus entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him, imploring him and saying, Lord, my servant is paralyzed, uh, lying paralyzed at home, fearfully tormented. Jesus said to him, I will come. And what? And heal him. So what did the king say? So it's, it's done. He's got the word of the king. Right there, right? Okay. But the centurion said, Lord, I'm not worthy for you to come under my roof. Just what? Say the word. He said, I'll come heal him. In essence, I'll come. I can lay hands on him. No problem. He says, I don't need you to touch the guy. Just say it. Just put a deposit in my account. But just say the word and my servant will be healed. Just say the word. He said, for I also am a man, what? Under, not in. He recognized Jesus' submission first. Under authority with soldiers under me. I say to this one, go, and he goes. And I tell this one, come, and he comes. And to my slave, do this, and he does it. Now, look what it says here. Now, when Jesus, what did he do? When he heard this, which let me tell you this, Jesus is hearing you. 
I mean, you're not lying. God's not mocked. You're not going, I believe you, Lord. And yet on the inside, he knows you, man, you're struggling. I mean, you can tell me, Pastor, I believe. But God knows whether you believe. <laughs> All right. He says to him, he goes up. Now, when Jesus heard this, he marveled and said to those who were following him, truly, I say to you, I have not found such what? Great faith with anyone where? In Israel. In my country. Among my people who should be following my word and formally persuaded that what I say come to pass, I got someone outside my nation. I got a Gentile. I got a Roman that understands how this thing works. All he needs is my government um, word on this thing concerning healing, and it says it's done. Signed, sealed, delivered, finished. He said, I've not seen such great faith. So what's great faith? I haven't. Just say it. It's done. And he had one doubt. That was enough to deposit into his account because the Bible says at that moment, at that moment, his, his servant was healed. Not weeks later. Not weeks later. At that moment. Which means his great faith got the result immediately. I said immediately. You understand, when I go and purchase something, that, and we'll talk about this because I can't do it today, there's times that we purchase something and that's immediately take it home. There's other things that we pay on. So there's some things that our faith progressively brings to us that happens to be destiny, but then there's some things of God that are immediate. You should walk out with it. And you got to know the difference. Because many uh, people are waiting on something to show up. The Lord's like, don't you left it at the counter. You should have walked out with it. You should have walked out with it. Are you hearing what I'm saying? All right. So then that leaves us with this thing that the apostle said that we should be saying ourselves, and we'll talk about this next week. Luke 17, 5, last one is this. The apostle said to the Lord, increase our faith. And we all say this, but we're going to talk about what size you need. <laughs> Hallelujah. You need great faith, but like how big is that? Oh, my, my, my. You're going to be shocked maybe. You're going to be shocked because you don't realize how much value is in just what seems like a very small amount. Thanks again so much for listening to this episode. If you'd like to get more of our content, you can subscribe wherever you're listening, whether that's on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, etc. You can also watch our weekend messages at youtube.com forward slash anchor faith when they air every Thursday night at 6 p.m. Subscribe to us so you never miss a message and leave us a comment or a like. It really does help. You sharing, rating, and commenting on this podcast and any of our content is the best way to keep it in circulation for others to be influenced with this message of God's kingdom. So please consider sending a link to friends and family, sharing on social media, or simply giving us a rating. And finally, if you'd like more information about Anchor Faith Church and support the work we're doing from St. Augustine, Florida in igniting the city, impacting the nation, and influencing the world, you can visit us at anchorfaith.com. Thank you.